And we are back. Welcome back to Reliving Single, everyone. This is your recap podcast about the original Friends and one of the 90s best TV shows, Living Single. I am your host and editor of Flava Magazine, Asada Jones, and I am so excited to get into Max and Regine's tried and true rules of dating with you. <laughs> this week, I'm recapping season one, episode three, Whose Date Is It Anyway? Before we get into some fun facts, I want to say thank you so much for listening, listeners. Don't forget to follow the show and leave a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you are listening on Apple Podcast, leave a review. I would love to read them and give you a shout-out on the show. All right, on to our fun facts. This segment is going to be very short and sweet because I only have one fun fact, actually, but it's a pretty good one. So the main storyline in this episode is that Overton wants to ask Sinclair out on a date, but in real life, it's Kim Fields and John Henton, that's Regine and Overton, that dated throughout the course of the show. Weird, right? (laughs) When I found out about that, I was like, oh, that's like finding out cousins dated each other. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, that is the fun fact of the episode. And now on to the recap. All right, Living Single, Season 1, Episode 3. Whose date is it anyway? Listeners, if you haven't already watched this episode, you can watch this episode and every episode in this series on Hulu. All right, so the cold open of the show has Sinclair and Khadija in the bathroom getting ready for bed and winding down for the night. They're taking off their makeup, and Sinclair is doing this really cute thing where she's saying, like, goodbye to her eyeshadow, goodbye to her mascara. It's a little bit infantile, but kind of adorable. Um, so Sinclair asks Khadija where Regine is, and Khadija tells her that Regine has two dates that evening, so she probably shouldn't plan on seeing her that night. And as if on cue, Regine runs into the bathroom and does a hilarious quick change, wig and all, and runs out of the bathroom just in time for her second date. And the physical comedy in this scene is once again, hysterical. Kim Fields is so great. She like just chugs a bunch of mouthwash, swishes it in her mouth and just spits it out in the sink and runs out the door with like a new hat wig and new shoes. It's it's really great. Definitely watch this episode if you haven't already. Just for the scene alone, it's perfect. So the next scene opens up in the living room with Sinclair and Overton, and Overton is going over the rules of a board game. And he's giving off big read-all-the-instructions-before-you-play-the-game vibes, and it is dragging everything down. The rules are getting more and more complicated as he reads on, but there's a really cute exchange between Sinclair and Overton, and it kind of gives you insight into their relationship and shows that they're both on the same level. It's really cute. So while that's happening, Max and Khadija enter from the kitchen, and they're arguing about whether or not paying $7.50 for a movie where Denzel Washington keeps his shirt on is actually worth it. (laughs) I think we can all agree that uh, by today's standards, going to the movie theater and paying only $7.50 is absolutely worth it. But um, I digress. Back to the show. The girls decide to go see the new Wesley Snipes movie instead because there's, and I quote, much nipple. (laughs) 
Kyle then knocks on the door and Max goes to answer it. And of course, they go back and forth with each other and the dialogue is heavy with sexual tension. Khadija, there's a big old head of broccoli at the door. Max, even finding you here does not change the fact that today is my lucky day. Doctor discover a cure for ugly? <sighs> no, baby, you just gonna have to wait. <laughs> After that exchange... Kyle announces that he got courtside tickets to a Knicks-Bulls game and wants Overton to come with him. Overton pulls Kyle aside and tells him that he doesn't want to go because he's still trying to lay the groundwork with Sinclair. Kyle reminds Overton that Overton owes him a favor because he went to the Tools Through the Ages museum exhibit with him and a favor is a favor. Overton begrudgingly agrees to go and after the guys leave, Khadija invites Sinclair out with her and Max to the movies. Sinclair declines and says she wants to stay home and pumice her heels. This causes Regine, who came downstairs earlier to wait for a date, to immediately get on Sinclair about not having gone out on a date since she moved to New York about six months ago. She tells Sinclair that she's going to hook her up with someone she knows so she can get out and have some fun. Khadija advises Sinclair not to feel pressured by Max or Regine and tells her to make up her own mind as to when she's ready to date. Of course, Sinclair can make up her own mind. Now, Sinclair, do you want these two horny toads hooking you up with some sorry excuse for a date, or do you want to run your own life? I want a date! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's safe to say our girl is ready to date. (laughs) So the next scene opens up a few days later, and we're back in the girls' apartment in their living room, and Max and Regine are pitching to Sinclair their potential dates. Now, first on my list for Sinclair is John Luckett. He's an advertising exec. He's fine. He's funny. He used to have a bad brownstone in Brooklyn. Used to. I represented his wife in the divorce. (laughs) Well, not to worry, dear. resources as yet untapped. I thought you tapped everything in town. (laughs) Max and Regine then impart some wise words of wisdom to St. Clair. Their tried and true dating tips, if you will. Anyway, St. Clair, to go out with a man just because he's fine is shallow. You also have to be concerned with how much money he makes. Now, of course, of course, it is not just the money. It's how generous he is with that money. And whether he's hung up on that damn prenuptial thing. And there you have it. Now that we're through with Zsa's dating tips, I have a few universal rules for you. One, no actors, no models. Two, no but, no date. And most importantly, no man who's so in love with a basketball that he can't even attend your law school graduation. Then the minute your career takes off, he ducks you so fast and leaves your head spinning like a tire. Max, Max, come back. Greg is gone, girl. He gone. (laughs) Max's last one is definitely more about her ex-boyfriend Greg than anything else, but we'll get to that in another episode. (laughs) So Sinclair says that she's not looking for perfection. She's just looking for... A nice, kind man who's gentle and sensitive and loves all plants and animals. I mean, it's a simple request. (laughs) 
Overton then knocks on the door, and he is returning a juicer to St. Clair. While he's there, he discovers that the girls are setting Sinclair up on a date, and he tries to play it off, but you can tell he is just super disappointed and heartbroken. He leaves the apartment with his head down and with just sad puppy dog eyes. And I want to say, I want to pause for a moment and just acknowledge that while I was watching this as a kid, I was like mad at Sinclair for like not seeing that Overton was trying to be just around her and obviously liked her and like how dare she go out on a date with somebody else but watching these episodes back as an adult with a fully formed functioning brain and the emotional maturity that I have I'm like why doesn't he just ask her out what the fuck is wrong with this guy like how how dare Overton just assume that Sinclair is just going to wait around for him. Sinclair is a hot mama and Overton is slow and that should not be on Sinclair to wait around for him to catch up. Okay, soapbox over. (laughs) So after Overton leaves, Sinclair breaks the news to the girls that the very cute veterinarian Michael Edwards from around the corner asked her out that very morning and that she's decided that she's going to go out on a date with him. The other girls are super impressed and they're really excited to help Sinclair prep for her date. Outside of the apartment, however, is a completely different story. A very sad story. Overton is moping on the hallway steps like a child and Kyle walks into the apartment building and sees him. He goes to Overton and tries to cheer him up with a cheesy joke, but it doesn't do anything to lift his spirits. Kyle then reminds Overton that although he's been laying the groundwork with Sinclair for a long time, he never got around to asking her out, so how can he blame her? Overton reveals that his laying the groundwork is all part of a three-point plan to win over Sinclair, and it all starts with year one. Spent months trying to get with that girl, fixing her radiator, fixing her coffee maker, refrigerator. Man, I was fixing stuff that wasn't even broke. <laughs> but you never asked her out, man. I've been building up to it. It was part of my big three-point plan. See, year one, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Kyle then stops him to impart some dating advice of his own. See, brother, what you have to remember, what is first and foremost, is that she's a woman. She's a woman. I'm a man. Yeah. And that's advice from the master. <laughs> just pacing you, buddy. Just pacing you. See, lesson number two is a bit more complex. You see, a woman wants to be seduced, coaxed, cajoled, and teased. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> just think of her as a washing machine that's broke. The following scene takes us to the evening of Sinclair's date with Michael the vet. Regine and Max are doing Sinclair's makeup and putting on her final touches. Khadijah walks into the kitchen and the girls start to give Sinclair tips on how to behave on her date. Anyway, Sinclair, just be sure to be a good listener. It lets men do what they do best, talk about themselves. I say dominate the conversation. Men love it. That means they have to do less thinking. (laughs) And 
And if Michael says anything even remotely humorous, be sure and use the date laugh. Date laugh? Mm hmm You put one hand on your date, one hand on your chest. <laughs> See, it's the kind of laugh that says, I'm amused, and I have these. <laughs> Regine is so ridiculous. That fake laugh is so over the top. Ah, okay. So the doorbell rings and the girls think it's Sinclair's date, but when they open the door, they find it's Overton on the other side of it and he's looking really nervous. It seems that he is mustering up the courage to ask Sinclair out on a date, but unfortunately, before he gets the chance to actually spit out the words, Sinclair's very handsome date walks up and whisks her away to a very fancy French restaurant. After the happy couple and a very sad Overton leave the apartment, the remaining three gals chat about how they hope Sinclair's date goes well and that they wish they could actually see it. Cut to them running out the door to head to the same restaurant as Sinclair and her date. <laughs> Let the hijinks commence. The next scene opens up at the fancy French restaurant with Sinclair and her date. They're having a good time with pleasant enough conversation, and we can see in the background Khadijah, Max, and Regine trying to sneak into the restaurant without being noticed. They're doing a terrible job, though, because they're coming in with these ridiculously big shades on and these scarves around their head trying to cover up their hair, which only makes them more noticeable in the restaurant. It's pretty great. The girls are seated across the restaurant from Sinclair and her date, but it's the perfect spot to spy on them. So, of course, they start to cause all kinds of stress for Sinclair. Regine even scribbles down a note on a napkin and gives it to a waiter so that way the waiter can pass it to Sinclair and then Sinclair can improve her performance on the date. <laughs> it's, it's straight up invasive, honestly. When Sinclair's date gets an emergency phone call at the restaurant, the other girls use this opportunity to run over to Sinclair's table and check in on her face-to-face -to, -face to see how the date's going. Sinclair isn't having it because she finally stands up for herself and tells them to stop being so nosy and to give her some space because they're being so overbearing. So, how's it going? Pardon my French, but what the heck are you doing here? We just came to make sure you were okay. No, you didn't. You came because you're nosy. That too. You know, back home I had only one overbearing mother. Here I've got three. And when my mom would follow me out on a date, she never came to the table. She had the class to stay at the bar. <laughs> now, please, may I finish my date on my own? Thank you. You know, I don't appreciate you going off on me. But I'm glad that you stood up for yourself. Good. Now get out of here. <laughs> I do love this moment for Sinclair, though. She's just learning to stand up for herself in this series. And this is like the beginning of what we'll see later on in her journey as her like finding herself and her just coming into her own. And this is like the first the first step. It's pretty nice. So Sinclair's date comes back and tells her that there's been a dog emergency and he has to leave. Ever understanding of dog emergencies, Sinclair tells her date that she can wrap up at the restaurant and that he can go ahead and tend to his emergency. And he does. The camera then pans to a corner of the restaurant and we see Overton tipping a waiter and thanking him for letting him use the phone. 
there was no vet emergency after all. It was all a ruse to get Sinclair alone. And let's be honest, that's pretty creepy by today's standards. I mean, I think we can all agree that he, that Overton had really no right to sabotage Sinclair's date just because he felt like he had dibs over her. But we'll just forget about that and live in the cute feels for now. Overton then approaches Sinclair and tells her that he'd be honored to have dinner with her. Sinclair is flattered and agrees to dinner. It's all very sweet. And later, we see them walking up to Sinclair's apartment door and Overton leaning in for a goodnight kiss. Sinclair gives him a sweet little kiss on the cheek and goes into her apartment. Overton is completely overjoyed by that kiss. As he's dancing in the hallway celebrating his home run of a date, Kyle comes down the hall and jokes that his date couldn't have gone that well because he's on the other side of the door. Overton corrects him and tells him that he is actually six months ahead of his three-point plan schedule to win over Sinclair. Well, I guess I don't have to ask how the evening went, seeing as how you're standing on this side of the door. Uh-uh, buddy boy. Check it out. Oh, lipstick. And just inches away from your lips. For you, I guess that's pretty good for year one, huh? Are you kidding? Hell, I'm six months ahead of schedule. Watch dog. Bow wow. Stepping lightly like a woodpecker with a headache, Jack. <laughs> that Stepping Lightly line is, I think, my favorite line of the entire episode. <laughs> so the episode ends back in the apartment with the core four. Sinclair is giving the other ladies a scoop on her date with Overton, and they tell her that her original date, Dr. Michael, the vet, called and left several messages for her. It is official. Our girl is out there in the dating world. The tag of the episode shows Sinclair rereading the very complicated board game instructions that her and Overton were playing at the start of the episode. And that's the end of the episode. Up next, your Red Flag Stories. All right, I am back, and now it's time for another round of Red Flag Stories. This is the segment where I read some of the Red Flag dating stories that you listeners have sent in to me on Instagram or have emailed me. This segment was born on my other podcast, What Makes Me Well, and it came about as I was interviewing a guest, shout out to Jen, and somehow Jen and I started talking about our past dating mistakes and the red flags that we actively ignored. We had a really great time laughing about our stupid mistakes and laughing at our younger selves, but what I took away from that conversation was how we both chose to ignore that little voice inside our heads that told us that a red flag was in play and how important it is to listen to that voice. My hope with this segment is to not only laugh and reminisce with you all about ignoring red flags, I want to spread awareness about what I like to call red flag behaviors and I hope that we can all take a second to reflect on these stories and learn from them. And honestly, the only way that can happen is if we actually share our stories. Okay, so this week's red flag story was sent in by Jody. And Jody has already done the work to identify the red flags in this scenario. So shout outs to you, Jody. You've already reflected on this and you're just like straight up sharing the story for us to learn from. Thank you, girl. Okay, so here is Jody's story. When I was newly divorced, I met this guy, 40, single, never been married, no kids, and he was an architect. Red flag number one. Ooh. But I was like, hey, maybe my luck is changing. 
He asked me to meet his parents right away, red flag number two, and they started showering me with gifts. His dad sent me a new iPhone. His mom would send me gift cards to go shopping and get massages. What the actual fuck? Red flag number three. Oh yeah, that is a giant red flag. (laughs) She goes on. This was too good to be true, and it actually was. So one Tuesday morning, I get a call from his BFF, and my guy is in the hospital. I rush over there, and I ask the nurse what happened. And the nurse tells me, alcohol poisoning. The nurse says, man, this sucks. We see him here all the time. Whoa, giant red flags. Whoa, that is like a neon flashing sign. So Jody says, I break up with him at the hospital. I got kids. I ain't playing this game. And to top it off, after the breakup, his parents started stalking me. Oh my God, this is insane. They were calling me all day and night and telling me that I need to take him back, that I owe him, and that I owe them. Whoa. And Jody puts like eight red flags. (laughs) She finishes, y'all are trying to push your alcoholic son on me to care for, and I ain't the one. Amen, Jody. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That is something. That is something. And I would imagine, Jody, if you weren't as strong and as level-headed as you are, um, you would have fallen for the love bombing and the gift bombing. Um, and you would have ignored that, that, that huge sign that this man is an alcoholic and would just completely throw your life in a complete spiral because, you know, he's in it. He's in the throes of addiction. Wow. Well, good on you, Jody, for getting out of that situation. Um, and thank you for sending in that submission. If you want to share your red flag stories and have me read it on the podcast, you can email me at relivingpodcast at gmail.com or you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm a.joneswellness across all platforms. All right, listeners, I'll be back next week to relive episode four with you. It's called A Kiss Before Lying. Until then, be well, listeners. Smooches. Reliving Single is an A. Jones Wellness production, created and produced by me, Asada Jones. Our researcher and editor is me, Asada Jones. Our audio engineer and mixer is also me, Asada Jones. Our music, however, is provided by The J Squad and Jackson Beats and Mr. B-Man Music. All audio clips of the Living Single television sitcom are property of Hulu streaming services and is used on this podcast solely for reference and commentary. Smooches! <laughs>